Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to The Daily Home Edit, the daily podcast from the team at Home Beautiful magazine. I'm Katrina O'Brien, HB's Managing Editor, and today I'm very lucky to have a special guest in the HB studio. Architect Joe Snell has quite the CV. He studied architecture at Sydney University, but also spent time at the Royal Danish Academy of Fine Arts in Copenhagen, where he happened to meet his wife, Laura. <laughs> Interestingly, he spent a couple of years at the coalface in London working as a real estate agent before returning to Australia to join his architect father, Kevin, at Snell Architects. As I'm sure you know, Joe has been a judge on Channel 7's House Rules alongside our former editor, Wendy Moore. He is the author of Your Best Home, published by Murdoch Books, and he's an ambassador for James Hardy. He's also recently created one of the most stunning homes I've seen for quite some time, the spectacular home of Sydney rocker Guy and Jules Sebastian. Joe Snell, welcome. Hello, Katrina. Thanks for having me. It's very nice to have you here. Joe, your dad was an architect. He, was a high, he still is a highly yes, acclaimed yeah. architect. And by the time you were 20, you lived in 17 houses. Yeah, thanks, Dad. <laughs> that was great. Thanks for that. Yeah. And your family bought them and renovated them and that was kind of before the term home flip came into being. Yeah. He was he was the original flipper, I reckon, but it was flipping with design. Oh, that's good. Mm-hmm. That's good. So were you always destined to be an architect? Uh, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. No. Um, I you know, I remember growing up and people would say, Are you going to be an architect? And I said, No. Uh, I think that was a reaction to like I was the oldest and my father's an architect. Well, no, of course I'm not going to do that. But by the time I got to the end of uh, university, I didn't really know what to do. Mm-hmm. And um, I actually talked to Kevin about it, my father, about mm-hmm. it. And he said, oh, well, you know, the first degree of architecture, which is a Bachelor of Science at mm-hmm. the time, mm-hmm. is a very broad degree. And um, most people who start that degree don't go on to become architects and and often don't even go on to do the second degree, which mm-hmm. is a Master's in Architecture. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, uh, I, and, and, you know, when, when I thought about it, I have a brother and sister, mm-hmm. and out of the three of us, I was the only one that used to go and sit next to Kev when he was on the drawing board and watch him draw and fiddle with his pens. And, yep. and I can still remember doing that when I grew up and the, the smell of coffee and, and watching him and the smell of the pens and him drawing. And I, I, I was interested. You mm-hmm. know, I was curious about it, but I never thought about until then I went to university and, and as soon as I got there, within the first term, I thought, oh, this is good. I, I can do this. Oh, yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you weren't sort of building Lego buildings from a young no. age or anything like no, that? No, actually, it was interesting. I was at uh, – I went to a school, obviously, and then uh, I remember there was a tipping point where I thought – um, I should do some art. Mm-hmm. And then we went and saw the teacher and he was a old school um, sort of guy and um, he said, you know, art or German. And he looked at my record and what I was doing, he said, you should do German. <laughs> so I went and did German and I was hopeless at German. I sucked at it very much. <laughs> and I often think it would have been good if I'd done art. Mm-hmm. So actually the first time I did any form of art was actually at university in mm-hmm. architecture school. And I remember 
um, you know, did all the lessons and things. But they did this cool thing at the end of one of the terms where they said, um, create a light. Ah. And um, so I, I was there and I was just bamboozled by it, like create a light. And, and then they, they gave you some materials to work mm-hmm. with, like mm-hmm. a, but it was all like, like basically from reverse garbage, that yep. sort of like really yep. dodgy materials and a candle. And yeah, and like a little, like a tea tea candle, mm-hmm. you know, make a light. And so um, we could place this light anywhere. So I went walking around, and I found this really beautiful bush mm-hmm. um, in the grounds. And then, um, it, it, and so then, what I did was I, I, I made a flower out of wire, a flower shape, yep. and then I used cellophane to put it around the flower, mm-hmm. two different colors. So I did orange and then re- an inner red. And then I, I placed the tea uh, candle in it. And then, I, and then I placed that whole flower deep inside this bush. Mm-hmm. And I must say, it was really beautiful. <laughs> and um, anyway, they, they, they said, I won. I, oh, won, the, I won the thing. Yeah. And, they, and they said, it's a very sensitive design. Uh-huh. Now, no one had ever since said I was sensitive about anything, <laughs> and so I, that was a real moment where I went, "Wow, I can actually um, think on another level yep. and tell a story yes. using these basic materials." Because mm. I saw what everyone else did, mm. and it it wasn't sort of um, there was something it was sensitive. You it know? came from a completely different direction. So yeah, so fun. yeah, yeah. And I used the landscape. Mm. You know, I didn't just make an object; mm. I made an object in context, mm-hmm. and it, that gave me a huge amount of confidence. Mm. At that, it was. Only a funny little yeah, extra funny. bit of yeah, the yeah. degree. It had yeah. nothing to do with normal sort of setup. Yeah. But I remember I always – and I've still got that wire um, and, and I look at it and it's sort of like the first time I ever designed anything or yeah. did any art. And light's yeah. your big thing now, so it's quite interesting. Isn't yeah. That? No, it's, that's a good point. Yeah, mm. no. So uh, uh, light has become a big part of my career, yeah. And did you find your tribe when you got into studying architecture or was it um, – I'm still very good friends with those yeah. guys yeah, yeah. and yeah. girls. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I definitely – enjoyed it but mm. but um, I also realized that pretty quickly I was in a bubble yeah yeah okay. because my father's an architect yeah I'd grown up in an architect's household and then um, uh, you know halfway th- after I finished my first degree at university I realized I only really knew property through the prism or the perspective of being in an architect's household and also only having architect mates and mm. I started to realize I was pretty out of touch with how everybody else saw property. And is that why you went to Copenhagen for your first no, ever trip overseas? No, or was no, that no, that, yeah. that, that happened. Actually, um, I was becoming quite political at university mm-hmm. for different reasons and and um, and getting involved with all sorts of different things there. Um, and one of the lecturers came up to me and said, Joe, I think you're bored. And I, and I said, no, I'm not. I'm fascinated by everything. <laughs> And then I went home and I thought, I am actually bored um, because I was doing well enough in it all. Um, mm. And and so I said, went back to her and she was a great person in my life, um, Professor Anna Rubo. Mm-hmm. And um, she, she um, I said, I think I am bored. <laughs> and then she goes, well, why don't you go and do an exchange over at um, – uh, overseas, your marks are good enough and I can vouch for you. And I said, okay, great. And I said, where would I go? And I'd never been overseas. I, like I was 21 and hadn't even thought of going overseas really. Mm. And then she said, well, um, Denmark, what about Denmark? And, and she said, do you know where that is? And I said, <laughs> no, I don't actually know where Denmark <laughs> is, but I knew about Jorn Utzen. So mm. I knew Jorn Utzen was Danish yes. and a Danish architect and, of course, the Sydney Opera House. So mm. I, I went, oh, well, I know that. And um, anyway, so I went home to my folks and I said, 
I think I'm going to go to Denmark. So we got out the atlas and found out where Denmark was and <laughs> we so went, cool. and I went there. Oh, yeah. That's amazing. So what was it like turning up early 20s, never been overseas before, turning up in Copenhagen? Wow, it was a shock, mm-hmm. a massive cultural shock and a design shock. Mm-hmm. And and also just realising, you know, I thought Australia was pretty advanced, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, which is kind of stupid considering I hadn't been anywhere. But, <laughs> but you know, we're, we're a developed country. Um, we're wealthy um, and we're educated. And But I went to Denmark and I thought, wow, these guys are onto a whole lot of stuff that we're not onto. Mm-hmm. And I didn't mean like in the architectural world. I meant just the dude walking down the street. Mm-hmm. Um, their, their appreciation and for design was way beyond the average person in Australia. And even in my little world of being in the architectural bubble, like an average person in Denmark is not far off that, you know, right, they're, they're okay. in, in their experience of design, their mm-hmm. demand of it and, and what they want in their own home. You've said you were kind of blown away at that like entry level of design. So, mm. you know, of architecture over then that the government house, housing was even fabulous. Yeah. So, you know, um, I got to know a Danish guy and he, he was very nice and he invited me to his home and it was sort of in the suburbs of, of Copenhagen. And I said, this is such a nice house. Uh, and he goes, oh, thanks. He thought it was a bit weird. And then, <laughs> and then we went and he said, uh, went for a walk and he showed me and there was heaps of the same houses. Mm. And I read, oh, I'm in a project home. You know, yeah. but it was a beautifully designed project mm. home. It had Louis Poulsen lights, right. you know, beautiful lights. Because I said, mate, mm. you've got a Louis Poulsen light. And mm. he goes, yeah, everyone does. <laughs> and then so we went down the uh, down the street and you're looking in all the houses, which, by the way, were not shielded from view. So you could actually see into people's living yeah. rooms because we're in a community, guys. Yeah. And uh, so which is so welcoming and nice. And they all had Louis Poulsen's and nice things. But they were basic houses. They weren't rich people's houses mm. or anything. And, and what I learned and I really – Sat, went back to the streets of Copenhagen, sat there and said, what is the difference? Why are these guys so much more advanced at that basic level? And I started to work out uh, an ethos to go forward with. And that was like, you know, the government didn't um, in, like demand um, that these houses be a certain standard and the developers are not benevolent. You know, mm-hmm. they weren't going, oh, we're going to help you out. The, the key thing was that the consumer, that the the average person on the street was demanding more in their house mm. and they were not going to go and buy crap. Mm. And so therefore they weren't given crap. Mm-hmm. And so these houses are fantastic. Mm. And and so um, in Australia, I, I my mission is to get Australians to demand more in their home mm-hmm. uh, because we can't wait for the governments to do it. Mm. And you can't – and, you know, they're not – most people don't use an architect so you mm. can't expect architects to do it. Mm. And then – and of course, developers aren't going to do it. So mm. it's it's about us as uh, my industry um, and, and the media uh, to uh, educate Australians about what they should be expecting in their house and mm. enable them to demand it. Mm-hmm. So it comes down to the you know even if you if you have a project home, sort of selling tell, saying, well, actually, this isn't quite what I want. This is what I need. Yeah, you know, you so. need to be able to say. Uh, get the consumer the language mm, to say, right. I need these things, yep. and if you don't offer them, I'm going somewhere else. Yep. Yep. And that is the only way we're going to uh, in- increase the quality mm. of, of housing in Australia. And there's no reason we shouldn't be the best in the world. Mm. And that was, the, do you reckon that was a bit of a light mo- bulb moment Big for time. you? Yeah, right. Okay. Well, it was great mm. because that was in my after my first degree, and I came back, and then when I started my second degree, I had this new 
way of thinking, mm. which I learned, and I'd also met a lovely lady. <laughs> so the, things were changing in Denmark, you know, like because that was difficult. But um, just being on the other side of the world, but it it made it. I was no longer bored at university because mm-hmm. I had an image of where I was trying to get to. And take us back a little time. There's a little time there that you actually went to London for a couple of years yes. and worked as a real estate agent. How did that happen and why? Well, that comes back to the bubble. So <laughs> I realised okay. um, I sort of had this idea of a mission of, of getting Australians to demand more in their home, which I developed over time. You know, you just don't come up with that. Well, yeah. I didn't. I, it took me a while to work it out and articulate that. And then I reached my finished my degree and all my architecture mates were going overseas, um, London at the time, um, to um, work as architects mm-hmm. uh, and become experienced with an uh, international you know element and I looked at that and I thought I could do that and it would be easy to do that but I thought no I want to understand how everybody sees property from their perspective not through my prism which mm-hmm. was a bubble mm-hmm. so I thought what could be more than <laughs> the coal face than being a real estate agent in bloody London? Oh, so I went over there and I sat down in London. I met a recruit. Like I c- couldn't get a job. Yeah. Uh, so I was working two shifts in a pub, one during the day and one at night, and I was <laughs> losing money. I was hopeless because they don't pay you anything to live uh, work no. in a pub. And um, anyway, I ended up meeting this guy called Simon and he was a really large man, um, and uh, but and and he sat me down, and he was I could tell he was sort of smart, and he was a recruiter, and I said, look, I want to get a job as a real estate agent. Um, uh, well, how do I go about it? And he goes, well, what's your background? I said, well, I'm a fully qualified architect. <laughs> and he goes, right. Man. Anyway, I was wearing this really what I thought was a beautiful grey suit and I had a beautiful... What year are we talking here, Joe? Oh, mate, it was a while ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, really beautiful grey suit, really beautiful grey tie. And I thought I looked pretty good, you know. I was pretty happy with myself. I thought I looked smart. And he said, all right, I think I'm going to be able to get you a job. And I said, oh, great. And he said, there's one thing, though. Um, I need you to get rid of that grey tie. I want you to go out and buy a pink tie. Pink tie. <laughs> and Snazzy. so I went out and bought a pink tie and I had an interview the next day and I got the job. Amazing. I've still got that pink tie. Oh <laughs> what, do you just want a bit of a pizzazz going on Yeah, here, I think he just bit... thought I looked bloody boring, I think, you know, or, you know, maybe I needed a bit of flair or something. I don't Amazing. know. Anyway, it worked. Good. And what was your shtick on the real estate circuit? Did you have a little thing going on? Yeah. Like, yeah. I worked it out. So what happened was I looked at I, – I, I realized that you're in this situation where there's absolute carbon copies of you going around mm. saying exactly the same thing. And I was in based in Putney and Fulham. And what I realized as well, the product – the, the houses are all the same because they were either ex-council apartments, mm. i.e. the same, or they were like quite big houses with gardens, but they were all um, a form of project house as well from the past. So they were all like basically the same. And, I, and the poor old agents were going around saying, oh, no, this one's special. And I was like, oh, I've worked. So, and then they all wore the same suits with pink ties. <laughs> and so, All shade the pink. Yeah, that's it. So I, what I worked out was to be brutally honest, like, like over the top honest, which was I knew would stand out. Yeah. And so I would just say, look, I'm an Australian. I'm 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 this is the deal with I'm an architect as well. This yeah. is the the deal with this property. And I would point out the positives and the negatives. I really would. Like I was negative. Like I'd say this is the problems. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, just when they thought I was about to like say that my big spiel or, or like like select me basically, um, 
I said, so you must go and see this property, this property, and this okay. property. And then they'd go, okay, well, let's go. And I said, oh, no, they're not with me. They're with these other agents. And they said, what? You're recommending? And then they always came back. Because what I worked out, they'd go and see the other agent and they'd say, this is the best house for you. Here's all the positives. And this is the only one that you should go for. Mm. And then, of course, no one believed them. <gasps> and then... And what I also knew was that the, the property they were selling was very similar to mine. So what's the real difference? Mm. It was actually the agent was the yep. difference. Yep. So they just went to the person they trusted. And so I became the highest seller in my in – my, um, I'm pat on the back. Well done, Joe. But in my um, – I worked for Andrews Estate Agents and I and – I, um, you know, I sold a lot of property in, in out of 400. I was like one of their top salespeople. Oh yeah. So it was, but I also realized at the end of doing, I did it for a year and a half. Yep. <laughs> and, um, and I was listing and all doing all th- and, and I actually got offered, uh, by the guy who hired me to go out with him and have, um, a business. It was going to be called so and so Snell. Oh, well, there you and, go. And so I, and I said, let me think about that. And I rang up Kevin, my dad, and I said, you know, I've been offered this thing and and he goes, well, what are you going to do? And I said, I think I want to be an architect. Mm. And so I met with them and said, I'm not doing it. Yeah. And I came back to Australia to pursue my passion, which is architecture and design. However, don't get me wrong, there are many nights, well, well not many, but some <laughs> nights where I lie in bed and we're struggling for money or, you know, things are not quite going well. And, uh, and I think I wonder where I'd be if I'd opened that estate agent shop in London, I think I'd be – I'd definitely have a few more dollars next to my name, (laughs) that's for sure. Oh, well, I think we'd – But I wouldn't be as happy. No, exactly. That's absolutely right. Now, Joe, in your book, you're sort of the the best – your best home. You talk about five building blocks of good home design, space, light, air, sound and view, and the things you need to get right for a home to really flourish. Mm. As I said, you've just completed Jules and Sky Sebastian's home in Sydney, and Mm. it's an absolute stunner. And quite remarkable. Thank you. And I think it really is a case textbook case of using all those things. Mm. How were they to work with? Were they kind of had a similar vision to you in creating that home? Yeah. Well, the first thing I'd say about Guy and Jules is that they're very intelligent people. Mm-hmm. They're smart. Mm-hmm. They're not silly. And the next thing I'd say is that they're very kind people. You mm. know, they're just lovely people. They're like they're what you see out there if you think that they look smart and kind, that's because they are. Yeah. And um, so they've been really uh, great people to work with. They've also got an amazing sense of style. Mm-hmm. So um, I think Guy would um, be you – know, he said it, I think. Um, but he actually gave me a bit of a floor plan, um, and which I really enjoyed getting because it showed me what he wanted in terms of a brief, in terms mm-hmm. of things. But it – it was nothing like what I came back with because I'm the professional in it. And so, and, um, but what they did as well is they created Pinterest and mm-hmm. that gave me a great sense of their style. Mm. Um, and, and then their, their brief to me at the, once they saw the way I thought about planning was totally different to how they had thought it might be. Yep. Um, then they just said, look, okay, go for it. Um, we love concrete. Mm-hmm. We love, uh, steel. Mm-hmm. We love glass. And we love black and white. Mm. So that was an amazing brief yeah, because uh, so I took yep. that those five things mm. and then I looked at what they were they needed in terms of numbers of rooms and mm. practicality. But then I looked at them as people, and 
when you design a house, you've got to make the house a embellishment of those people. Mm -hmm. And that's why when you look at the work I've done, it's all radically different to each other because it's eclectic in a sense. And the reason why is because my clients are, of course, eclectic. They're all different kinds of people. So I'm doing a house now in Sydney and it's radically different to what Guy and Jules um, have. And it's because the clients are different. And I think... As architects, we have to remember we provide a service Mm. and I'm an expert in a very narrow little part of the world and life and that's in this architecture thing Mm. and I apply my skills to make other people's homes fantastic. Mm. Um, And and So I'm not really someone – I don't think anyone really knows what my style is Mm. and um, and Laura's really – my wife is really keen to find out (laughs) because she'd really like a house but I haven't got to that yet. She's (laughs) next on the list. Oh, my God. But – so and then okay so there, there's all that they so that that's that but the essence the the foundations of every home must mm-hmm. come down to these five principles that I formed yeah uh, and they are space light air view and sound mm-hmm. and this is really talking about the bones of a house mm-hmm. you know and I this came a lot from my experience in real estate because I just went into hundreds of homes mm-hmm. and and then watched people who have no education in architecture or design talk about those homes. And you know what? They saw – people are intelligent. You yep. know, like in their subconscious especially, they're like super bright. And so what happens is um, they they feel it and their feelings are, are always right. Mm. You, you know, gut feel, that's mm. right. So mm. they would walk in and they go, I love this house. Mm-hmm. And then I'd say, why? And then they'd go – because I love the way the light's coming in. Mm. Or they'd say it's just got good bones. Mm. And what those bones mean, it feels solid in their mind's eye. It also um, sounds good. Mm-hmm. You know, often you'll go into a house and it and it feels – you say, this feels cheap, this house. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the reasons you're thinking that is because it's echoing around. Like you'll go into like really expensive houses mm. and they'll feel cheap. Mm. And it's because of the sound. Um, And so um, I I spent a lot of time thinking about how – and what I was going to say is that the – also, I found that people looked beyond style. Mm-hmm. They didn't care about style mm. because they looked at the bones, which is the foundations of the, the form of the house, because they knew they could change the style. Yep. And, and what I worked out is that if you walked into a house that has – beautiful bones but crappy style, you'll still love that house. Mm. If you walk into a house that has really bad bones and it's not well built and hasn't got these foundations of space, air, view, light worked out, then uh, but it's got a great style yep. and it's like really hitting a trend <laughs> and like it's just really, you know, on trend, you'll still – you'll go, oh, it's kind of stylish but it just doesn't, doesn't feel good it. so it you won't do. like it. Mm. Of course – if you get the bones right and the style right, well, then we can all sing. Exactly. You know? It's and all so, together. <laughs> yeah. And so that's what the goal is. And I feel that um, that what the, what the industry is doing is that it's, it's, it's spending too much time and energy and money on the style and uh, color and things like that, which I'm obsessed by. Yep. But what's the point if you're not getting the, the basis right? And mm-hmm. that's what my book was about space, view, those mm. things. Mm. You've got to get them right. If you yeah. get those five things right, you're set. Yeah, absolutely. So, Joe, your father, you work with your father. Has he been quite inspirational in your journey as an architect and obviously as a man? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, mm. he's he's great. He's um, we, we share our resources. So he has his clients and mm-hmm. I have my clients. Mm-hmm. We actually have separate businesses okay. now. Mm-hmm. But 
he's still over there and I'm still here. So no, he's been a he's been a great um, mentor. Mm. And you've got three boys of your own. Yes. What do you reckon? Do you reckon one will be an architect? Um, you know, I think the world's changing rapidly, mm-hmm. and I, I I'm not sure that architect. I I don't think I practice as an architect the way my father did. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think if one of my boys ends up in the design world, mm-hmm. um, and it'll, it'll be a different scenario all, all again, and I'll be pushing that. I'll yeah. be saying, if you're doing it the way I'm doing it, that's so boring, mate. Move yeah. on. Oh, What's next? Yeah. <laughs> but I think I think one of them will probably be in some kind of design world, yeah. I'd say. Yeah. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Well, Joe, thank you so much for coming into the studio today. It's been absolutely a pleasure to have you in here. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great. Oh, good. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Um, please remember to rate, review and subscribe. Until next time, see you soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.